You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. And welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. Today, we're talking about finding your purpose in recovery. My guest today is Dakota Vandelstein, a counselor for Crave Consulting in Texas. Dakota assists individuals in improving their emotional and mental health. Welcome to the show, Dakota. Thank you. Honored to be here and thank you for having me. You know what? I think I actually slaughtered your last name. I'm historic. Dakota for mispronouncing people's last names. So if I did, I apologize. Do you no want to do, do you do you want to say it the correct way? It's Dakota Venetistein, but uh no worries Venetistein. at all. <laughs> yeah, it gets all the time. You know what? I went over it four or five times and I still didn't get it right. So that's my dyslexic self there. Welcome no to the worries. show, Dakota. I'm so glad to have you. Uh, you know, we're talking about f- understanding your purpose, finding your purpose, a really big deal with people who are in addiction recovery. And I was excited to have this episode because this is something that you focus on as a mental health counselor, really helping people find their purpose you know, can we start, Dakota, with what is purpose? Because I think a lot of people might be confused. They say, well, I think I have a purpose, but I still feel really feel lost. What does it mean when you say, Dakota, finding your purpose? Yeah, so purpose and meaning, I tend to use them as synonyms when I approach counseling, but they've been defined in different ways. So oftentimes purpose is kind of this grand grand calling, really, and then meaning is more so the feeling you get from it. I feel a sense of meaning when I do things that align with my purpose, this, this grand kind of calling in life. So uh, really, that's, that's what it is. It's, uh, it's kind of very abstract, and that's why so many people struggle with it. Um, so really, it's an individual active process, kind of searching out your meaning, searching out um, your purpose in life. And really, it's not my job as a counselor to define that for you. It's helping you kind of peel back the layers, understand yourself, which is something that we'll, we'll talk about, because that really is important when it comes to meaning. Who are you and what do you want to do and make of your life? So that's kind of how I approach it. Yeah, I love that. You know, I think many people, when they first get sober, we have a lot of people listen to the show that are in early recovery. And when they first get sober, they feel very lost. They feel mm-hmm. that maybe they had a purpose, but now that they've sobered up and they've gone through the first part of the recovery process, they're like, you know what? I didn't really want to be an accountant or I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to, you know, I maybe I want a relationship or I don't want to live in the town that right. They they just mm-hmm. don't even have any driving force and they feel a little bit untethered. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think a lot of time people say, Don't worry, you're gonna find a purpose. You'll you'll find a purpose somewhere, you know, and a lot of mm-hmm. times in recovery it's service is people's yeah. first purpose. How important is purpose in, in 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 your in somebody's mental health and recovery process? What you know it's not healthy for people just to be untethered and have no purpose, right? Uh, yeah, again, it's difficult. And I'm going to speak in terms as we go throughout this conversation in terms of kind of my lens and how I approach counseling. And it's really going to be individual. And that's what we focus on in session. But I would say according to how I approach counseling is extremely important. So my orientation is existential. So focusing on the big question, what is your meaning? What is your purpose? Um, 
things like mortality, the deep, deep stuff in life. And I, uh, yeah, so I would say it's extremely important. It's come up in pretty much every single counseling session I've been in, regardless of um, what they're going through, whether it be recovery, whether it be depression, anxiety, things like that. So it's kind of this overarching question that everyone at some point um, kind of faces. And if you haven't faced it, I would like to talk to you and figure out how that hasn't come up in your life, you know? Yeah, I love that. You know, what What are, Dakota, I know a lot of people are listening to this and saying, well, you know what, I've kind of tried to find my purpose and I just am lost kind of doing it. I know I was, like, I had to redefine my purpose. You know, 30 mm-hmm. years ago when I got sober, I, I think back and it was, it was honestly very traumatic. I mean, it doesn't sound like a big deal, honestly, when you think about it, but really when you get in, when you feel a little lost, what are, what are some of the challenges that people face when they're trying to find their purpose? Um, what are some of those issues, those roadblocks that people hit? Yeah, so I kind of alluded to it earlier, and now's probably a good time to talk about it. It's figuring out who they are. So one of my favorite quotes from uh, late philosopher Frederick Nietzsche is, become who you are. So who are you, right? Getting into that question, and most people, they don't know. So we get into things like value work. What are your values? Most people, uh, regardless of, again, kind of their symptomology, I think people are really distracted right now and not focusing enough inward. And a lot of people, I don't think there's been anyone in the time that I've been in my practice that can answer that question definitively. What are your values? Um, So really getting into some of that and then using that as really your anchor point that grounds you to your sense of self and then figuring out how you can fit those values into your everyday life. And usually purpose will um, kind of come from that. And another question I like to ask when figuring out values and kind of discovering that is, um, I'll ask, think of someone who you admire, who is that person? And then what about them do you admire? And usually it's a certain set of qualities and that usually mm-hmm. aligns with their personal values. And that's really where I like to start figuring out that sense of self um, without all the mass. Carl Jung talks about it, the persona, who we, who we are when we're out in public. And uh, when that doesn't align with your true sense of self, that's incongruence. And it causes a, a variety of, of problems when you don't feel like you can be your authentic self. So really digging into that, figuring out that, what that means for the individual. Yeah, you know what? I think it's interesting because when you're talking about this, Dakota, I'm kind of thinking about the whole early recovery process is really kind of finding your purpose because I know a lot of people, you know, in recovery come in because they thought they had certain values. Like, I'm never going to drink and drive. I'm never going to, I'm never going to drink at work. I'm not going to use this type of drugs. I'm not going to participate in this type of activity. And they find themselves doing this and there's a shattering right of who they think they are and who they really are and as that count starts to come together right mm-hmm. it, it it brings up a lot of problems a lot of mental health problems and obviously hopefully it's moving people towards recovery mm-hmm. that maybe one of the reasons i'm i i can't really you know set my values straight is because i have i'm addicted to a substance right and i have to address that right mm-hmm. so when you're going through this this field of kind of trying to find out what your values are and what your values are not, and you're using these this modeling that you're saying from mm-hmm. from from people, what are some of the common things that you want to stay away from? Because um, I, I think I, I know for me, 
I looked at I looked at certain things that I thought I wanted, but mm-hmm. then as I started to pursue them, I was like, you know what? I don't really want that. Right? I don't really that's not really really what I want. Is there like some sort of checklist that you use to kind of reframe your values or is this just something that you talk out with people? Yeah, usually talk out. So I'll ask that powerful question, uh, what are your values? And again, most people can't describe what their values are. So we'll get into the questions like, well, who's someone you admire? What about them do you admire? Maybe it's, so for me, I'll give you my personal values. So authenticity is up there. Uh, Wisdom, I love wisdom. So it's knowledge and then using that in the practical sense, like this conversation here, the things I've learned, being able to regurgitate that. So that's wisdom to me. Curiosity, following what I'm curious about. If I get something, Mm -hmm. okay, I want to check that out, learn more about it. Um, And then communities up there and service. So my counseling practice, uh, what I do here um, is service to others. And that's, you already mentioned that. That's one of my values. I think it's really, really important. So figuring out what those values are and then yeah, trying to use them to the, the best of your ability. So as far as to answer your question, th- certain things to stay away from, you know, I don't know. I want to say the, the thing that immediately comes to mind is triggers. So with recovery, one of the big things that's going to cause people to relapse is the environment, the same friends, the same environments. That's going to pull you back into the old habits that you are getting yourself into. So redefining what that environment looks like, a healthier environment. Um, and then really from there, I think it's individual. Um, it's going to come down to what the individual's needs are. Um, and then the other piece of that is um, not always, but oftentimes when people start using, there's some sort of unmet need. They're using it like for alcohol, for example, a social lubricant. They have social anxiety or something. They don't feel like they can um, go have a conversation or have a good time without alcohol. So getting into that, figuring out why that is, and then redefining redefining that for them going forward. Yeah, I love that. You know, I you're talking a little bit about the actual therapy, the counselor process. I want to dive into that a little bit because I know for me, you know, I got sober through a 12-step program and mm-hmm. I love 12-step programs, but it was years later that I ended up going to therapy. And I wish I would have done that earlier, L- looking back, honestly, Dakota, because I think a lot of times people say, well, now I'm sober the rest of this stuff should figure out. But what I found out was a lot of the stuff that was behind alcoholism for me, uh, you know, uh, there were other things behind it that mm-hmm. didn't really have anything to really do with alcoholism, right? I mean, yeah. it, it led to it, it fed into it. Uh, th- they were partners in a way, but there were other things that were going on mm-hmm. that I needed to kind of talk through and explore. How does it work with the therapist? What What is that process like? Because I know a lot of people are afraid. Um, and, and I'll tell you, Dakota, I think a lot of people in, and I've heard this a lot in sober groups, 12-step groups, hey, I'm afraid I'm sober now. Maybe I've made it sober a year, two years, three years. Now, if I go into therapy and I start, I know I don't have a purpose, but if I'm trying to find my purpose, is mm-hmm. this going to blow up my whole life? And then I'm going to be back to where I was at. Yeah. So uh, just to kind of speak on what you just talked about that you started with 12 step and I'm a big fan of 12 step. It's worked for a lot of people. My favorite podcast, um, other than this one being on having the honor of being on this Mm -hmm. one, um, is the rich roll podcast. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but yeah, phenomenal 12 step guy, uh, just, uh, always talks about in this podcast. And that's, I listen to it almost every day. Um, so it works for some people. And that's the same with therapy. It's, it's a tool. And you only should use tools so much as they work. And that's what I discuss with my clients. So therapy is a tool. And eventually, you'll get to a point where therapy might not be working for you anymore. And that's okay. And then maybe you stick with a 12 step. So it's really figuring out 
what works for you. So as far as therapy, where I see sort of an advantage, it's the individual one-on-one focus, whereas 12 steps, you're in a group and there are advantages to that, you know, the sense of not feeling alone, there's other people going through it. And that's great. Um, And that's something I'll reinforce when I'm working clients, you're not alone, like you're not the only addict, like in the world, but it gives me um, the ability to really tailor the interventions to the individual person, because it really is individual when it comes to therapy, what do they need and figuring out what that is, and then working with them to to meet those needs. You know, wait, let, let's talk about letting go of things mm-hmm. that no longer work for you, because I think this is a big part of finding your purpose. You know, I know I had things that I thought were my purpose. And when I finally kind of dialed in and got sober and started doing a lot of the work that you're discussing, I found out, you know what, this no longer works for me. These yeah. ideas, these thoughts of, of what I have no longer work for me. But it was a long process, honestly, of being mm-hmm. able to let go because I was, you know, honestly, I was invested in those. Yeah. I was invested in those frameworks. I thought they worked. I had invested in them. So I kind of had a um, a sunk cost kind of view on it, right? I put so much into it. If I just go a little bit further, this idea, this thought, this way of life is going to work for me, Mm -hmm. but clearly it wasn't. How do you go about that process of letting go, not only finding new things of purpose, but just Mm -hmm. letting go of that stuff that just doesn't work for you anymore? Yeah, I love that question um, because that's another thing that I talk about constantly with clients is being able to let go. And I like to use something, it's more of Eastern philosophical versus Western. I love Eastern strains of thought with this paradoxical thinking, right? So it's not this or that, maybe it's this and that. And this concept of letting go, I think it comes back to the concept of self as well, because a lot of people, when they think of themselves, they think about this past version of themselves. And that might not aligned with who they are today this concept you're in constantly in conversation with change so when you're holding on to something too tightly it doesn't allow you to become so the quote i mentioned earlier become who you are you can't become who you are if you're holding on to these preconceived notions of self or like you mentioned tools just because it worked in the past you're not the same person that might not work today right so tools are only as effective so much as they're effective that's 12 step that's counseling that's a fitness watch tracking your heart rate could be anything, any tool that you use and implement in your everyday life. Um, if it's no longer serving you, then it's letting it go and going without it or finding a new tool to fit your needs. So understanding what your needs are in the given moment and aligning the tools to that. You know, that that's great. I love that because being able to let go allows you to actually bring new things into your life, right? To go to like, it allows yeah. you to bring in new perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, can your purpose change in your life? You know, like yeah. me at 55 isn't me at 28, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, I, I'm much older than you, but like, I, yeah. you know, I don't, my purpose is, my purpose has shifted kind of throughout my life. There's a through thread, right? Mm-hmm. There is a little bit of a through, right? But the way in which I practice that purpose and the way that I do that um, has changed. Uh, there was a yeah. lot of fear when I let go of one business purpose that I had. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Dakota yeah. and and I and I was like, you know what? This needs to shift a little bit because I'm just not there in my life anymore. I'm gonna I'm gonna go somewhere else with it to practice that purpose somewhere else. Yeah, is is that okay to do? Because I know there was that's something that I struggled with. Can yeah. your purpose shift and change as you grow as an individual? 
Yes, and uh, uh, Viktor Frankl talks about it in Man's Search for Meaning and his therapy that he, he developed, Logotherapy. Meaning can oftentimes be very fleeting. So you think you got mm -hmm. it and it changes, and that's what you were kind of describing. And also, as you were kind of talking, um, I was thinking about, again, Eastern train of thought, Buddhism. He talks about, Buddhism talks about attachment. And I said, attachments are the root of suffering. So being, being unable to let go and become who you are is holding you back and it's causing some of the symptoms you're probably experiencing, anxiety, things like that, excessive worry. Um, so it really is that attachment piece. And I've seen that come up in attachment, meaning being unable to let go. Um, you've probably felt that. It seems like you're describing that, that inability yeah. to let go, causing some symptoms, and it's really holding you back and hindering you. So yes, I would say one, meaning does change. Oftentimes it is fleeting. That's a paradox of it. It's not one thing and it's an active process. So constantly seeking it out. Yeah. You know, what's, you know, what's really interesting, what I always find interesting and when, when I've worked with other people and helped them get sober and, you know, either in a 12 step group or a coach or something like that, when, when I work that, I, what I notice is, is as people's values change, they start to get a purpose. They start to work for something. Mm -hmm. The cost of going back to using drugs and alcohol, to risking that, even though they know it's not going to work, mm -hmm. right? The ability to do that becomes way less viable in their life because they actually have something to lose, right? Mm -hmm. they, they, you, you actually have something to lose. You're like, you can kind of see it going. And the interesting thing that I always find interesting, I don't know if you see this, you know, in counseling is sometimes when I'm working with people, I'll notice that they're the last to really view that they, that their values have shifted. And so you point it like, I'm always, I, you know, I, I'm about, okay, find out what you want to do. Work, 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 right? Into action, mm -hmm. make it happen. But yeah. sometimes I don't slow down to actually evaluate what's actually going on to see the shift. I'll sit and complain about it. You know, like the other day I was, I talked with a buddy of mine, you know, in recovery. And he's just like, damn it. He's like, man, like you are being super productive. Like you did more in a week than I did in a month. Right. But I don't see it. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I, 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 I don't see, I don't see these shifts. Isn't that some of the value that you get with therapists to be able to point that out 12 step groups and stuff to be able to say, it's like, Hey, you know what? Things are moving because I think a lot of times in recovery, if, if we don't see it, mm -hmm. we're like, well, you know, like you're either physically sober or you're not physically sober. Right. But values and purpose and things like this, it's something that grows, right? It's like, you're not necessarily going to see that shift immediately. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And you mentioned in therapy, and that is part of the job of the therapist, recognize growth and acknowledge that. But you have that with a friend. So friends can do that for you too, just getting that other perspective, right? So just using a, an anecdote, say you did something and you were super worried about it. You thought it was some sort of criminal activity and you were afraid. Your fear was like a 10 and you talked to a lawyer friend of yours and he's like, no, that's, that's minor. That's a 2.5 out of everything I've seen. So getting that other perspective to really get that, yeah, really higher level perspective on what, what happened. So it can be a therapist. Yeah, sure. I do that, but it can be a friend, your friend that did that for you. And it seemed mm -hmm. helpful to kind of recognize the progress and growth that has happened. And you, you, I think we all get into that habit of kind of, uh, not really recognizing, um, 
the growth and kind of focusing on the negatives. Well, I still can work on this. I need to get better at this rather than, you know, giving yourself a pat on the back, which I think is extremely important. And that comes with self-esteem, self-worth and things like that. Yeah. You know, one of the old beliefs that I had and one of the values that shifted me, Dakota, in recovery was, is I kind of had this Western view of uh, people don't change. Like I was, mm-hmm. I, you know, I grew up uh, uh, around people and there were, there was a a very big message. It's like, look, people are people. People are good. They're bad. They're not going to change that at the sure. core. As I got into recovery and I saw this, you know, uh, what recovery is good is if you're a... Uh, if you're a, a transformation junkie, recovery is great because you see people and I would say, oh, man, this person's not going to change. This person's a criminal. They're, you know, they're ho- they're just they're homeless because they want to be right. Mm-hmm. Like they're all this, it's never going to change. And I saw people change drastically and I got to know them and they really ch- like somebody who would be robbing liquor stores one day. You know, two years later, people are giving them the keys to their house and their house sitting for them, right? Like I saw yeah. this, and that was something that shifted in 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 me to say, well, you know what? That value of people don't change, um, maybe doesn't work for me anymore, right? Like yeah, yeah. this perspective doesn't. But I know there's a lot of people that are listening to this, Dakota. And in, in final thoughts from you is. They're saying, you know what, man, I've I, I've tried to shift my values. I, I, I've I've tried to come up with a purpose. I've tried this a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. It it just doesn't work for me. Maybe I'm just not capable of doing this. Yeah. What would you say to people that are listening that are maybe had this issue? Yeah, it's just kind of addressing that mindset. Why are you thinking that way, right? So you west you you mentioned Western strains of thought about personality being stable, and for for the most part, it is. But Eastern people in Eastern cultures would kind of laugh at that concept. So for example, in Western cultures, we're big on our, the big, uh, the personality tests, things like that. And we assume that that's going to be stable and that's going to be who someone is. But Eastern cultures oftentimes don't really believe in personality tests because who they are with their friends is going to be different than who they are with their elders. They're going to act completely different. Um, And it goes back to something I mentioned um, at the beginning of the podcast. We're constantly in conversation with change and it's up to you whether you want to change in the right direction going up and improving your values and your sense of being and getting to that point of, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that self-actualization piece, that transcendence piece. Um, but it takes work. It takes progress. So it really comes down to the individual um, to seek help if they need it, uh, to do the reading, do the things that they need to do to send them in the right direction while they're in that conversation with change. Because we really always are, although we don't always recognize it. I love that conversation with change. Dakota, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We're going to put links, guys, on how you can reach Dakota if you want to get in touch with him and work on finding your purpose. You want to talk about your values. I think Dakota is a great resource for you. We'll put all the links in the show notes. Dakota, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Damon. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Sometimes addiction recovery can be a lonely battle, but you don't have to fight it alone. At Recovered Life, we're dedicated to helping you live your best recovered life. And that's why we're inviting you to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter. Every week, we carefully curate exclusive content from leading minds in addiction recovery, mental health, and all things important to the recovery lifestyle. Stay in the know with the latest news about addiction and get exclusive invitations to special recovery-focused events 
and explore insights tailored to support recovery from alcoholism, drug addiction, codependency, disordered eating, dysfunctional family dynamics, gambling, and so much more. With our newsletter, each week becomes an opportunity for growth, healing, and taking a step closer to the life you deserve. Take your first step towards a brighter future today. Go to recoveredlife.us and subscribe for free. Sign up now at recoveredlife.us.